five, four, three, two, one, go. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Blowing the Doors Off, episode 33. Uh, I'm Brett Morse, your host, and here with me again this week, my brother Andrew Sherwin. What's going on, dude? Tell you what, two weeks in a row on the same day of the week at roughly the same time. This is basically unprecedented for us. (laughs) Getting consistent already. I like it. I like it. Starting off consistently. (laughs) Uh, Well, with your situation with uh, you getting in the house and getting a little studio set up for yourself and being able to record in the evenings makes this a lot easier on me. It does. It does. It makes it easier for you and for me. Um, It's certainly nice to have uh, viable internet 100% of the time. Absolutely. Uh, what's weather like down there? Warm today, uh, 65. Hey, we weren't too far behind you. I had a 60 degree day here in Indiana today. I was outside doing stuff when I got home today, which is, uh, basically unheard of in the month of February in Indiana. Yeah. Well, not to revisit like the first half of last year, but, uh, did you <laughs> see what happened in Austin with the ice storm? Yeah, the them people down in Texas, not to uh, harp on them or make fun of them or anything, but uh, when they get snow and ice, they do not know what to do. <laughs> well, it's a different animal. It's a lot like down here. Uh, you get because you don't get snow or ice. You get ice and then snow or just ice, and nobody can do anything with just ice. Yeah. Yeah, we've had uh, we've had a little bit of snow here recently. Nothing crazy. I think we've had maybe three to four inches, maybe five uh, in total for the winter. Very light for us. Uh, I say that, and we'll probably have like a blizzard next week or something. <laughs> uh, but it's it's been a pretty pretty decent winter here. It's only been cold about once. But uh, let's talk some uh, some LA Clash. Did you uh, did you get to watch the race? I did. I could have watched it all, but uh, after about caution 475, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm, I'm actually legitimately tired. I'm gonna Right, for back. sure. I was one-eyed it at the end, and, 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 you, and you know me, I, I don't complain too much uh, when it comes to racing or anything that they really put together. There might be a, a thing here or there that kind of presses my buttons, but um, definitely didn't need a 8 o'clock start for the, the feature uh, on a Sunday night, um, I was dog tired. I, like I said, I'm one eyeing at the end. You had 16 cautions or whatever it ended up being. Um, we, you were pushing uh, 11 o'clock here on uh, the East Coast, uh, and it, it made for a rough 4:30 a.m. for me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just it. Is um, you know not quite 4:30, but 5:50 for me. Um, you know, and we had a, another weekend of. Uh, you know, the little ones being sick and stuff. And it's like, you know, if you don't sleep Friday night or Saturday night, you can't stay up Sunday night too. Those days are gone. I know. Man, and I was old now. <laughs> I was already tired because I partaked in uh, a 40th birthday party Saturday night. So I was already feeling pretty rough. And 
I uh, needed some uh, some Sunday relax time, which I did not get. So by the time Sunday night rolled around, I was just ready to crash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A little lady was like, you don't have to turn it off on my account. I'm like, no, I'm turning it off because I'm tired and I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> That's I'll awesome. see who wins tomorrow. <laughs> All right. That's why we have YouTube TV. <laughs> right. <laughs> I want to watch it. I can go watch it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Well, uh, Martin Truex Jr. gets the win. Um, not going to lie, didn't see that coming uh, from what it looked like with practice and qualifying. And then, obviously, the heat races and all that. Uh, looked like he had the car. It looked like he just come off the corner real well. His car turned a lot better. Uh, you know, he started towards the front uh, in, in the feature, which helped him out quite a bit. He battled a lot of that uh, craziness that was going on around him. Made some good moves and uh, got the got the gold medal. Yeah, the gold medal. We can talk more <laughs> about that later, but uh, I think I feel like I need to insert something here, uh, especially since we already talked about snow and ice. Uh, the the snow plow at that race was definitely Austin Dillon in that. I don't know if that's a Derek Cope, like taxi driver wannabe haircut mustache thing he's got going on. I don't know what that is, but uh, he drove like he was. <laughs> Like he cut his hair. That's the way he was driving. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't understand. And of course, I'm like so far away from uh, fashionable or anything like that. Uh, you, you know me. I rocked the mullet there for uh, a little bit before it got too popular. Uh, but yeah, I don't quite get the uh, the whole slick hair, shaved head sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> I know he drives the number three, but uh, his mustache does not even look close to the number three. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is that like some Top Gun hangover stuff or what? I have no idea. Man. I'm not sure. Like, if you go back and look at look at Derek Cope back in his heyday, <laughs> yeah. was, you know, one Daytona 500 win, and then maybe one at Dover. But, uh, yeah, he kind of – it, it kind of that, but nobody was wearing that shaved fade thing then. He probably had a little bit of a mullet going on or something. But yeah, I, I don't know why we we're talking about dude's hair. So you know, this is already kind of sideways. But <laughs> that's all right. We we're was, due for was, one of those. He was driving sideways. I know that there were some folks in other arenas who talk on the microphone that were not real impressed with the way he made his way to the front. Um, but you know what? Uh, by the end of the day, it kind of looked like maybe his teammates said he sort of deserved to be there by kind of pulling over and letting him letting him have a shot at Truex, which he didn't really have. He probably thought he would, if he let him go, he might wreck the both of them, and then he would win. I, well, knowing <laughs> what we know about Kyle Busch, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me that if that was not his first thought, it was at least the second one. Like, well, uh, what's the worst that could happen here? Uh, he might get them both, and then here I am to pounce. And, and you know, you got RCR finishing two, three in the big race. Um, is this a statement for them right off the bat? Um, they finished two, three on the podium. Um, you know, it, other, other than him bulldozing a few people, it, it kind of looked like Austin Dillon had a pretty good car. He did. I, I believe he had a decent car last year and we know Reddick did before he broke that, broke his transmission. Yep. Um, so I think this is a sign of, you know, RCR's cars aren't bad for this type of race. Um, I think the bigger statement would have been, um, I mean, it's certainly a statement that Kyle Busch and Austin are right there together at the top on the podium. Uh, a bigger statement to the negative would be if like, you know, Kyle missed the main or something like that. I, I, I think, I think it is a statement though, nonetheless, like it's like when well, there's like one A and one B 
um, that that he was up there up front, and, and especially after getting kind of he kind of got boogered up there by uh, <laughs> yeah. his old buddy and uh, <laughs> Mr. Two Face, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, there's somebody else around this house that really likes Joey because of that exact reason. It's, okay, speaking of hair, I got to ask a question: where the, the where the f did Joey's hair come from? Where did this whole did he get like some laser surgery or something? He he actually announced it. He pinned it on his on his Twitter. He said uh, he had been thinking about it for a while, and uh, it was a it was something that he wanted to do. So uh, I can't remember if he said it was Bosley or Hair Club or whatever, but yeah, he he actually he was forward about it. He said, "I did it. I got hair." So that whoever did it, uh, if I go back and look at the race, we could probably figure it out. They actually had a, like an ad on the track for that. It said like Joey's new hairdo question mark or something like that. Because I thought about it for a second. I'm like. Did I just read that right? And then I thought about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's got like a toupee deal or his laser, whatever hair transplant thing he's got going on. Uh, they were like advertising on the like on the wall or like just above like in the stadium seats. I thought well, it was pretty wild. I thought it was funny that, that he's been so forward about it. And I think that kind of speaks to his personality away from the race car. But um, there was somebody else out there, and I can't think of who it is right off the top of my head now that clearly showed up to media days with more hair than last year. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who it was, but I probably won't. Well, I feel like uh, if you're in the limelight that much uh, and you're a very pivotal person in your sport, you're not going to be able to get away with just walking up with having uh, basically, uh, you know, a crazy hairline and then come back with a full head of hair that'd be like me having my hair right now and then show up in the next week and i have like <laughs> dreadlocks or something you know what i mean like i you just can't show up and when you're in that kind of limelight so he probably had to be pretty honest with them yeah i mean i just think it's <laughs> it was smart and it's uh very honest so what's so uh, what's your thoughts um, on this podium thing with the medals and all this, is it something you think they should keep doing or is it something like they should never, ever do again? I don't know about the medals. Um, I don't hate the podium idea. Um, I mean, I don't think it necessarily means that we're want to be F1 or want to be IndyCar. I think it just means that there is something interesting about it, uh, particularly if you do it, among the fans like if you i don't know how they do it would do it at every track because obviously you can't just do it in the stands always but um you know the front stretch or whatever you pull the you know the celebration truck around like they used to um i, I don't see why you couldn't do it there plus i kind of like the idea that other people have mentioned that you know what if uh one one and two or two and three or three and one or whatever had a little run in yeah, uh, and one thing they should have won, that would be an interesting place for that altercation to bloom. It would have been even crazier if, you know, if they're up there doing their thing, taking pictures, and Bubba de decided he finally was going to get out of his car, uh, and then he kind of goes up there and, you know, <laughs> ruffles up off the deal or something during, like, them taking pictures and stuff I think would be kind of funny. 
That would be kind of funny. Yeah, I think what he sit in his car and watch a couple of episodes of that '90s show and then get out. <laughs> I think he sat in there for about forty minutes after the race. Uh, I think they were already taking pictures and uh, up on the hill there. Uh, he didn't. I don't think he wanted uh, media in his face after that. He probably had to cool off a little bit. I could probably understand that a little bit in his situation. I'd probably be probably the same way. I'd be saying some stuff that didn't need said. Well, especially in an exhibition. Plus, you know. Uh, love it, love it, like it, or are uh, indifferent about it. Bubba's, you know, he's he's got an elevated temperament. You know, he gets excited. That excitement usually leads to some form of volatility. Um, we've seen it, so you don't have to like. It's not speculation. We we know that that Bubba's very protective of his space, particularly on the racetrack. And yeah, maybe he's maybe this is the Bubba that says, "I'm still going to be just as mad in the race car." But when I get out, I want to have my game face on. So say Austin Dillon doesn't plow him going into that corner. Bubba could have won that race. Bubba led like 29 laps or something like that. I don't remember the exact stat, but he had a pretty good car, I thought. Well, uh, yeah. And I mean, we talked about this kind of thing where, um, you know, the should have wonners, you know, Priest doesn't doesn't have a fuel pump failure where's he at in this whole mix i was really pulling for him really i even text you watching it i'm like man what would what would it be like if uh priest ripped this off then you then you think uh, a little ahead of that you're thinking what does cole custer think of this if you know could you i mean honestly how many years did cole run in cup uh i don't think we'd ever see him up front in a race like that no he had three full years right or was it four Four, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't, what he had the one Kentucky win, which props to Cole. Unbelievable finish to that race. Uh, he took it, what, three or four wide going into one, went above everybody. They got boogered up on the bottom. Uh, he wins the race. Um, you know, and, and not to preview that by any means, uh, but with him being in Xfinity this year, I can't see how he doesn't just whoop them all year long. Uh, we've seen him in a, a, a Xfinity car before. He did great. I can't see where there's not a, a – he's going to be like Ty Gibbs last year, I feel like, this year. I was going to say, with Ty Gibbs and Greg Sagan, that's like, what, like Wide open. 16 <laughs> wins now? They're moving up to the Cup Series? Yeah. Somebody's got to. I mean, Allgaier is always going to be good for his two or three, maybe. Barry some will years, be good. Some years he's not. Um, yeah, you got to figure – this has got to be – I mean, what would you set the line at, six and a half? Probably yeah. a bad year if it's anything less than five. Kind of what I was thinking. We'll we'll dive into that pretty deep next week. Other than having a Daytona preview show, I kind of want to preview uh, and make some predictions and that sort of thing when it comes to all three series uh, next week. So we'll dive a little bit deeper into that next week. Um, RFK. <laughs> lays a straight goose egg uh in la uh for the second year in a row i don't know how you can't talk about it i mean you could talk <laughs> right. about it being one-off and we didn't have enough parts and we didn't want to tear up cars and we were behind on fabrication construction all the turmoil of changing owners and philosophies on management brad's influence and you know there is some there is some you know there's that lull period right when you bring in new leadership new concepts new ideas it gets a little worse and then it starts to turn for the better there there's nothing you can say about this they they suck 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, he did get helped out quite a bit in the heat races when I was watching. I think he got dumped three or four times, maybe even more than that. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, he still didn't look that great. Busher didn't do anything. Man, I just, I just feel like you're – I mean, last year going into Daytona kind of had the same thing, right? He didn't make the clash. Uh, they go into duels. Both of them win a duel. Uh, I don't remember exactly where they finished at in the 500 itself, but I feel like they got to have a repeat. Uh, I don't, I, you know, going into Daytona, you got to have some kind of bounce back if you're Brad. If not, you're really on the struggle bus very early in the season. Well, Brad wrecked a bunch of people at Daytona last year. <laughs> that does um, Which does happen with Brad. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, that's it. We used to talk about him as like one of the elite two or three plate racers. Now it's like, well, how many you know, how many people is Brad going to collect this year? Um, I think this is a classic example of what have you done for me lately? Um, you know, you've got a champion who's won 30 some odd races and last year runs like garbage. And so other drivers treat him like he ran last year, which is trash because you know what he did when he was decent last year, he raced like he was still the champ in a champion's car and people did not like that. Right. No, they didn't like that at all. Um, LA, right market, right venue. What do you what do you think? Is is LA the place to to do this clash or should should we move it somewhere else? I'm totally fine with it staying here. Uh at least one more year. At least. Um I think it's the right place to be. Market studies show that there's more NASCAR fans in LA than just about anywhere else. Um, it's the only opportunity we have to do something in a downtown major metropolitan area that isn't a street course like Chicago. Um, I, I, I don't see how you could look at this as anything other than a home run. You know, people are people are going to find every which way possible to be upset about it. But the thing is, that race isn't for them. It's for the people who don't watch every single weekend. They don't know that heat races started at five. Don't know that qualifying was last, you know, the night before. That's not who they're trying to get to watch. You're already in. You already know what's going on. Those concerts aren't for you. The, <laughs> right. the podium isn't for you. The medals aren't for you. The racing's for you. So watch the racing. You know, I think there's a big miss. It's kind of like this. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm not going to dive into politics, but it's like, it's that human element of instead of trying to find what divides us, find what makes us the same. Mm -hmm. Like we're just looking for more race fans out there in a place where there's already a shitload of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I heard a lot of talk, uh, other places about, you know, Irwindale, uh, or, or, or something other than that. I feel like, um, you know, they attracted a lot of people, you know, in LA right there, uh, you know, it, the historic side of it, uh, being the LA Coliseum, it was their hundredth year, you know, and NASCAR 75th, they kind of all clicked together. Right. I feel like in that aspect, uh, like you said, there's a shit ton of race fans in that area. Um, what about like a reconfiguration of what they've done the last two years track wise? Could we make this just a little bit bigger or does that not work? Cause it's a stadium. I think part of it is the infrastructure of that stadium is a hundred years old True, and it gets tricky. Um, I don't know. I think the only way possible 
to to make it bigger is if you had a purpose built stadium for soccer. But isn't, what isn't we see there one going, next door. <laughs> well, what we see going on. Well, not even the, the Rose Bowl is not even purpose built for soccer. They still they still fudge the actual dimensions of the field uh, just to fit within. I mean, those the rules of the game suggest that those places you shouldn't be playing soccer on because they're not wide enough. Mm-hmm. But we do it anyway because that's what we have in the United States. You know, uh, I mean, the I don't there's there I don't know what kind of money you'd have to raise to do it, but the places to do that would be like Wembley. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, but I, I'm not sure that in a football stadium you're going to be able to do it. Um, you know, the reverse was probably a much more feasible when they did Tennessee versus Virginia Tech at Bristol. At Bristol, yeah, I remember. That, that. made a lot of sense to do that. Yep. Um, you know, the, we know that way back in the day there were cup races at Soldier Field. I, I don't think Soldier Field could do that anymore. Fuck, plus, they're fixing to tear that thing down and try it again or whatever they're doing over there. Yeah, I've heard a lot of speculation when it comes to that. Um, I, I don't I don't think you can do I think if you once you go away from the LA Coliseum, I think you have to do something wildly different. Um and I don't think it's a road course. And I don't think it's Hickory Motor Speedway or Bowman Gray, um, or South Boston. Or yeah, or you know, uh what about like an, pickins. What about like it's an not Iowa Speedway? Either. What about like an Iowa? See? Well, Too the cold problem is, right now? Is the, time of year yeah, i was gonna <laughs> about say three feet froze. of snow on the ground there <laughs> about, <laughs> i was just trying to think outside the box a little bit yeah well i mean look i was done a lot of things to try to attract attention from cup uh to go back or to ever go there to begin with right, right. uh which they you know haven't done uh, yeah i would say i'm I, you know i don't really i don't really know i mean what would be the next place you might try something like that is the cotton bowl would they be willing to let you, you know, tear out some few rows since that stadium's only used what, like never? Yeah. That's the only thing I can use, remember. They don't they, even use it for the cotton bowl anymore. <laughs> I'll say the last time I can remember them using it, it was a uh, Dallas stars versus uh, Nashville predators as like a, one of those new year, uh, new year's day games outside uh, a couple of years back, but yeah, I, I just didn't know if they could maybe like widen it to make it like a three lane track. Maybe it's just obviously not big enough to do that. I just didn't know if there was any kind of other configuration that they could do, uh, to maybe not make it so on top of you dump everybody, every lap kind of thing. I don't think so. I think what they'd have to do is they would have to find somebody who's building a new stadium that's willing to say, okay, we'll consider putting in the first 20 or 30 rows of our seats as retractable and see how that goes so that we can actually have a full pitch for soccer and then maybe also have a racetrack that's a little bit a little bit wider. I, I don't know that it's going to be a, a easy to sell the idea of a racetrack. Probably a lot easier to sell the soccer idea. Oh, absolutely. Um, what did you think of, I don't know if you caught any of the, pre-race entertainment uh or even the Wiz Khalifa deal but what did you think of uh the entertainment aspect of this uh Bushlight Clash I thought it was fine I mean and there's no there's no better example of why it's fine than the announcement coming out today about who is playing uh for the all-star to open the all-star weekend uh at Wilkesboro with Midland you got Red Dirt Country you know straight out of the Dallas Metroplex, 
or actually closer to Austin, really. And then you got Chase Rice. How can you get any more Home North run. Carolina than Chase Rice? He's from Asheville. He played ball at UNC, and he changed tires on Jimmy Johnson's championship-winning car. Yes, more of that. So, yeah, you're going to have – let's do some Wiz Khalifa and some Cypress Hill Insane in the Membrane when we're out on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean – we're over here in old-school NASCAR country, let's have East Coast country or Texas country or whatever it is we're doing. You know, it can be regionally specific. Well, I like what – you know, you, you hit it the nail on the head when you said – we're not trying to attract the NASCAR fans that are already here. We're trying to go outside the box, attract a new fan. And it kind of made me go back on what I was saying about reconfiguring the track and wrecking every three seconds. These people probably like that. They've Most of them probably never been to a NASCAR race. What's more exciting to a, a newcomer fan than seeing them dump each other every lap after they just, you know, got a contact high from the Wiz Khalifa concert, you know what I mean? Well, and that's what somebody was saying at the, the student section where they had all the kids from USC there. They were raising hell every time somebody boogered somebody up. <laughs> right. you know, they didn't know anything. They didn't know any better. It looked like a daggum demolition derby to them, and that's fine. Absolutely, I'm here for it. You know, you know. Think about when uh, you know going to school and being uh, a, a young, uh, sure one at Georgia Tech, and that they had something like this uh, that you guys went and partied with the you know, the frat and stuff, and in the student section at the you know the Coliseum. That would probably be an epic party for somebody that age. Yeah, absolutely, it would have. I mean, you know, there was a handful of guys in my fraternity that they were just starting to get into racing probably because of me, um, because I was so adamant about having it on TV. Um, and then, you know, we, we finally did go to a race, a few of us, and that turned into an adventure that lasted 10 years. Right. Um, but we would go to places like Darlington and there'd be like a whole fraternity from USC there, like have a whole row. I mean, just doing all the dumb Stuff you see returning guys like bobbing for beers and ice cold water with their head, you know, just the dumb stuff that you do. Right. And, and, and they were having a blast and why, because why not? It's like a, it's a fair atmosphere when you go to the racetrack. Yeah. And like it, it's tailor made for college kids almost like, so why wouldn't you get college kids involved every chance you get? Absolutely. Home run for sure. Um, you know, no auto club for 2024 as they uh, try to figure out the uh, transition to short track for auto club. Um, and they, somebody has mentioned um, this Coliseum uh, as a points paying race. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Points paying race. <laughs> uh, I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> I'm with you. I, mean, I, I don't I think it a, works that a, way. I had a rant in my mind when I saw that they were actually asking this question in the media room after the race. And it's like, is there nothing else to write about? And I, you know, I don't want any, I met, I've met some wonderful people in the media that, that do a fantastic job. And they're all, once somebody asks the question, they all feel like they got to ask it with their angle. I understand. But for the love of God, can we just have an exhibition race and move on? Nobody has ever said after the Bud shootout, can we make this a points paying race? <laughs> Not one time ever. Right. Uh, so we know that, you know, for, 
2024, obviously that's kind of an open date ish, you know, that's kind of a race that somebody somewhere else can gain. Uh, where do you think, who do you think we put in that, that missing slot? I say, give it to Homestead. The time of year fits the tracks. Good. Uh, maybe the only chance they'll ever get to have two races and it might be a good way to find out if that's a, if that's a good idea or not. My uh, my suggestion for that was uh, put Road America back on there. <laughs> well, the time of year is what's going to boogie you. No, up. I mean I know not exactly that slot. Just kind of move everybody forward or somewhere in there and stick it in there. You know, it doesn't even, maybe the Chicago Street thing doesn't work out or something. I don't. Is there a contract on that sort of thing? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. It's probably a three year deal or at least two years or something. But I was thinking just somewhere in the in there somewhere maybe put Road America back on the map. Yeah, well, you almost figured that anywhere in the early part of the season you could pigeon you could wedge Phoenix in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as long as you wait till at least the first week in March, you can put Vegas in. So depending on the years that when it shakes out, you know when, uh, you know if Daytona ends up being on like the twenty fourth in three years or four years or whatever, um, after we've had a leap year, then, you know, everything gets pushed back a week, you know, um, then, or however they decide to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. then maybe that, maybe that becomes feasible at that point. I don't know, but of course we're only talking about 2024. So I, I don't know in the grand scheme of things. Um, I'm less concerned about who's going to get that slot then I am excited about them following through with the original plan. I do want to know how they made the business side of this work. Did, did a reach, does somebody know something about TV money or something that's allowed uh, NASCAR to say, I think we're just going to do it and worry about selling the extra property later. Or did somebody come in and have with a real sound plan and say, yep, I'll buy it. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how that all worked out, or if they is it still going to be like a, a half mile short track? Um, do they even have they even said what they're exactly doing? I, as far as I know, it's going to be what they originally planned, which is a, it's basically Martinsville with a sweeping front stretch. So the front stretch they already so have with like, the pit road, basically. I mean, probably just under point six, or just, probably just under point six miles, I would guess. It'd be pretty wild, I guess. It would probably cause some carnage coming off the big sweep into a a flat. I don't know how that. Well, so work. I don't. That's the thing that we gotta we gotta see what they're gonna do with the banking. Right. Uh, I would think if you're gonna make the corner that tight, which you're gonna have to if the straightaway is that long. Um, I don't think you can have too much banking, or else you're gonna have somebody flip. That's true. I never when they start that. slowing down and wrecking, somebody's going to turn over like Dover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Auto Club, I, I, I kind of wish they would just kind of leave it the way it is. I, I kind of like watching Auto Club races. They've ebbed and flowed. They were good, and then they were they repaved bad, and then they got good again. Um, now they're, they're in a good cycle. This, I mean, that arguably put on one of the best races for this car, at least early in the season. Um, And I would say what we saw at Kansas would be, you know, a pretty good indicator that late in the season, it still worked too. Um, 
you know, I, I'm not sure. I think those tracks are just similar enough that you could say that 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 something similar uh, about the way they would race and that, that they would put on a good show for. To be, I mean, what we saw last year was that the mile and a half are kind of they're kind of back. Yeah, I'm here uh, for that too. For this car, and uh, that's been a long time coming. It, that's been ten years in the making. Mile yeah. and a half have been shit for ten years. Absolutely. I mean, I can, I've been to some of them. I can tell you that some of those Kentucky races that I went to were some of the worst races I've ever been to. Um, but I kind of feel like this car would fare pretty well at Kentucky. It probably would put on a good show. Uh, I think, you know, Kentucky is a classic example. If you believe that sour of a taste on your first time out of the gate, man, you just, people just don't trust you. Yeah, for sure. They don't trust that you got it right, you know. And I mean, I, I think I don't think Wilkesboro is going to suffer anything from the late model race because it is Cup and it's going to have so much momentum. It doesn't matter. But they they really better, you know, mind their p's and q's on on the traffic situation, or else people are people are going to be pissed. Absolutely. Um, I kind of saw some rumblings of uh, NASCAR talking to Rockingham a little bit, and I don't know if they get, just realized how much nostalgia and, and whatever that they brought with the, the North Wilkesboro. Uh, I think they're in talks with uh, Rockingham to kind of figure out the same kind of plan, I think. Well, they're, they're going to add bleachers to the mini Martin or the you know Martinsville 2 track. Um, to bring some regional syndication there or, you know, whatever the mods and maybe some other series, maybe late model. I don't know, but I think I'm going to lean on my buddy, my old buddy Rusty on this and leave them wanting more. I want Rockingham to have NASCAR. We tried it with the trucks. It didn't really work. The racing was good. Nobody showed up. Um, Leave them wanting more before you start filling the pie so full that is busting at the seams because then you can't eat it all. You know, let's let it marinate, first of all. Second of all, what made Rockingham so special is what made Atlanta special. You had to manage tires. That stuff they laid down is as slick as obsidian. And if you don't know what that is, y'all go look it up. It's volcanic glass. Yeah. It's black glass. Yeah. And that's what that racetrack looks like. And it's going to look like that for at least a couple years. Mhm. Yeah, it's going to be slick for sure. Um, you know, they changed a lot uh on these cars to try to help uh with the rear impacts that the, you know, caused so much uh fuss last year. Uh rear clip, there, I saw them do like a cutaway car thing with Mick Reynolds on the broadcast at some point showing all kinds of stuff they'd done, but um, from what the drivers are saying, doesn't sound like much has changed with them getting hit in the ass in. Nope. Nope. Then he was talking I, about that. I can't see that. The Hans. I can't see that being good, man. No, they're going to have to find a way to, I'm not saying spring load, but there, there has to be an impact point on the bumper that allows it to flex and, and eat some of that impact. Um, so that it doesn't go straight into the chassis. That's the problem is the impact right. goes straight into the chassis. Now, those those times when they back it into the fence, um, that's definitely going to get better because um, of the way they've restructured the, the rear clip. But those lighter hits like that, 
where they don't bend any of those bars that are designed to bend, it's going to be just the same as it was last year. So anything under about 32, 30 miles an hour, it's going to be bam. I mean, you know, you've ever been hit in a fender bender. Absolutely. Five miles an hour hurts like hell in a passenger car. <laughs> right. That sucks. No. I mean, I damn near broke a thumb because I was holding on to my gear shifter the only time I've rear-ended somebody, and I did it in, like, idle. <laughs> uh you know something else uh they mess with the cars a little bit um that i don't think really had um any of effect uh besides on the drivers themselves but with with these mufflers they ran the mufflers um at um the clash and i'm hearing a lot of people um a lot of drivers had some uh some sickness after the race um and uh I think it was Christopher Bell that was talking. Uh, he thought that muffler made it hotter inside the car. He said he don't know if he could have stood much longer being inside the car. And it, I don't even know if it was that hot in California. No, and this was a concern. Um, this was one of the concerns. I think it was one of the ones that was kind of shuffled down the list of concerns because people were yelling about, well, they're not going to sound like race cars. Well, they definitely sound like race cars, so we don't have to worry about that. But the, the temperature, anytime you lock more temperature up underneath that car in a car that's designed to not let a whole lot of air get underneath it to begin with, it just stays there. It just stays there and bakes. That's what, that's, that was the problem they had when they originally figured out how to seal those cars to the track. Number one, they had a suction cup kind of thing that made aero so it just changed the way the racing works, where you had to be glued down, you couldn't pass. But it also made everything hotter. Like that's to me, as far as I'm aware, without having all the details and being a close friend of the family or a friend of the driver, I think that's what ended Casey Kane's career was that change. That there's just so much more heat. You just constantly those cars went from like ambient temperature between 112 and 122, no matter what the temperature was at outside. You know, and that's pretty warm. Imagine that's, doing that for four hours. That's that's pretty that's pretty rough. It's pretty brutal. But they went they went to like one thirty five, one forty five, one forty seven, one forty nine on some of those headrests. That's a sauna for four hours. Yeah, that's right. And man. It's hard on the body. That's very hard on the body. The fluid management is almost impossible. And the other thing about it is um, not just the heat, but evidently there was some carbon monoxide poisoning. There were some drivers yeah. puking. Yep, and that's real bad. That needs to be solved yesterday. Yeah, I'm. I'm. If if that's any kind of um, you know, byproduct of having the mufflers, take them off immediately. Screw the muffler. You do not need something like that going on, especially in like a Daytona five or any any. It doesn't even matter what race it is, but having them get sick uh, during a race from carbon monoxide or potentially even something way worse than what we're even talking about. Yeah, well, you don't even have to look that far back. Um, you know, we we I've talked to them on you know in in venues like this before, but it you know carbon monoxide poisoning ended Rick Mass's career. That's crazy. Yeah, they need to figure that out immediately. Um, some other uh, rules that got switched up on us and uh, implemented for the season. Uh, no more, no more putting it in sixth gear and riding the wall around Martinsville. That's for one. <laughs> well, the only thing I'll say about that is if you use the word might or could be in a rule book, 
you probably didn't write a very good rule. <laughs> right. Like it, it might be a penalty or it could be a penalty. Like you've already just announced to the world, yeah, this is purely subjection. Um, and th there's got to be subjective calls, right? I mean, otherwise there would be holding on every single play in football. Right. Right. There'd be three second violations in every single, you know, possession in, in NBA basketball. Absolutely. So you, there has to be some subjection. Uh, but mm, you just go ahead and write it right in there. That's like a free pass to do something dumb. <laughs> like I, I've heard multiple people say, uh, make uh, Darlington the example, like a lot of people riding the wall of Darlington or Homestead or something like that. Like, is it like I can't ride it and I got to come off of it? How many, you know, how many seconds do I get to touch it? That sort of thing. Uh, very gray area when it comes to that rule. Yeah, I would say so. And I mean, I think at Martinsville, it's absolutely within anyone's rights and they would be on the right page if they say it's dangerous because of rear impact. If there's two guys out front and they're battling like hell, like Kurt Busch and Ricky Craven at Darlington and somebody wants to play, you know, uh, slot cars and there's nobody around, who gives a shit? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. For sure. That's between the driver and his team that has to fix that car. Yeah. Uh, another one they threw in there, uh, no stage breaks uh, at the road course. I like that. I do too. I think it's smart. Um, I think it's going to bring uh, – it. basically what it did is um, it. you didn't really have to play strategy anymore. The strategy was already made up. Everybody was on the same strategy. And, uh, and the alternate strategies really weren't real strategies. Like, yeah. you know, used to you'd see guys come in after two or three laps in pit and try to get out, the, you know. And then it was just like, no, nah, we're just going to come right, you know, two laps right before the stage break or, you know, half the field would do that and half the field would do the other thing. And it just, it kind of eliminated one of the things that makes road courses unique is that the comers and goers, like you have half the field swap ends two or three times a race because they're all on different strategies and the stage breaks kind of didn't really do that anymore. Yeah. It, it, with the stage breaks, it was either, are you going for the win? Or are you going for stage points? Because if you can't do both. <laughs> right. You literally cannot do both. Yeah, you can't do both. It's physically impossible for you to do both. And it still might be if you're, you know, if you're gambling, if you're going fuel mileage as your gambling tool, you still may not be able to collect stage points. But, you know, I would rather leave that up to the teams to figure out how they want to do it than say, guess what? We're definitely stopping right here. Yeah. As opposed to leaving it up a chance, go, hey, if the caution flies somewhere between lap 17 and 22, we're going to pit because we have this window and this reason why. And then if it doesn't happen, okay, we're going back to our original strategy, uh, which was to pit at lap 34. You know, whatever it is. Yep. Uh, and then you got the, the, choose, the choose rule at super speedways in Bristol Dirt. I... They I seem like they kind of messed up with the whole choose the and choose. The shit, the... Are they going to do that at Bristol on dirt? I mean, I hope they let him carry a beer out there. <laughs> I will volunteer for that job. And he better have rugby boots on with like those inch and a half long spikes. <laughs> yeah. He's going to uh, bust his ass. Absolutely. Um, we got a kind of a little surprise, sort of surprise announcement there at the clash right before uh, the main event. 
Harvick came on and announced that he would be joining the Fox booth after the season. And then they did a big uh, kind of memorial whatever dedication video to him and had his daughter and wife on there talking to him about being proud of him and all that kind of stuff. I feel like we're going to see tons of this this year when it comes to Harvick. Uh, but Harvick to join the Fox booth. How do you think Harvick and Boyer pair well with Mike Joy in the booth? That's a good question. Uh, in general, I have liked Kevin Harvick in the booth, but I don't know how I'm going to like him every week. Um, I think this was kind of one of those worst kept secrets in NASCAR. I think <laughs> right. we all kind of assumed he was going to TV and that Fox probably made the most sense. Um, I mean, you know, with junior and Jeff Burton already over there at NBC, they're on lockdown. They got the two best guys probably going as far as drivers go. Yeah. Um, Clint Boyer's a clown. That's good. Clint, Kevin's a little more serious. That's, that's probably good. But the thing is, Harvick still has that kind of abiding personality. Like he's, I mean, I, I don't know who, of any other guy in the booth that I would compare him to. Like, like Kurt Busch is very uh, to the point, but he's inquisitive. Yeah. Harvick's not inquisitive. No. He's like, I mean, he's, he doesn't say this, but so this isn't a quote, but he's like, he's kind of like, well, that sucked or that was a stupid move. Like he's kind of that kind of guy. If we're ready for that, that's fine. I mean, I, you know, hell, most of the time I got the volume down on that and I'm listening to the scanner anyway. Right. So, I mean, whatever. I, you know, I, I think, I think he's going to do fine. I don't think he's going to move the needle. I don't think people are going to suddenly tune in because he's the one in the booth. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, maybe Clint coaches him up a little bit before they take control of that, maybe play off each other. I, I felt like the, the Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer thing kind of went well together, but I don't know exactly how well this is going to compare. I think he's doing some Xfinity races, uh, maybe even some truck races too. I'm not sure how that's all going to play. I think there was some select races he was going to do. I know they usually do kind of a rotating door on the Xfinity side with having drivers in there to help him out. Um but we'll see how that fares out for sure. <laughs> Something that I didn't really read about until today, and then you brought it up to me as well, is uh, this whole Kyle Bush in Mexico, you know, <laughs> trying to pack heat down there down south, which um, after his little incident at the Mall of America, I understand why he's carrying a gun, uh, but you still got to play by the rules, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I don't – I mean, the only thing I could think of is – because uh, I was talking about this last night with the lady, and uh, she's like, "I mean, I, I think it's great that he carries, uh, but this is this is kind of dumb." And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> I said, "The only thing that makes any kind of sense at all to me is he took his plane. It, like, if he took his plane, but how do you get in? Like, what? How do you get in with it and not, and then get caught on the way out?" <laughs> I was thinking right? the same thing. I mean, because like. You know, if you just think about what's going on in the world of things that are happening between us and Mexico, it's like the guns go there and the drugs come back. It's not the other way around. <laughs> right. So, like, it's like the guns isn't really what people would be looking for to, to be going back into the U.S. Right. Like, it would be the guns coming in that you would think they would be the most interested in. So, True. I'm not sure. I have been in and out of the Mexico City airport three times. I know that... Um, you you hit a button 
in Mexico City, and any of the turns red or green. And most of them turn green, and you just walk out. If yours turns red, they're going in your bag. That's no two ways about it. Now, they don't ransack it, but they're going in there. Right. Um, but, you know, and it really – and I mean, I, this is not – for those who haven't been, this isn't a joke. Mexico City, you go through, you check in with your passport and all that good stuff, your little customs thingy, and then you go downstairs – get your bag and you literally stand in line to press a button on a pedestal and it either turns red or green. That's if crazy. It's green, you just walk out of the airport and if it's red, they motion you over and they open your suitcase. That sounds pretty wild. <laughs> Do you ever think we get a, a NASCAR race down there again? Sanctioned race. Didn't they do one in Mexico city? Yeah, they had uh, an Xfinity race there at least twice. Yeah, I remember they, they did that. Hamlin won back. one of them, I think. Didn't Juan Pablo win with the other one? Not sure about that. Um, I think Couldn't it remember. depends on, well, I mean, the climate matters so much. And the thing is, we're so chock full of road courses. The issue is it almost has to be cup, right? Because cup guys, cup teams are prepared for what happens if it rains. Um, the reason why we haven't been back to Canada, you know, particularly Montreal and then, you know, most sport for the trucks is that the visas they get, they're only good for, for like the night before and the day up. Mm -hmm. So if you rain out, you, you, you can't, you don't stay. Yeah. Um, like the logistics is, is messy and the cost of having the whole weekend visa, it goes way up. And those teams that, that, that level of the racing doesn't support that expenditure. So, you know, would a cup race, would we take a road course away from the States and take it to Mexico? I think you'd have to see at least two more stars in the sport be of Mexican descent and just be knocking on NASCAR's door all the time saying, I think we need to go to Mexico. I think we need to go to Mexico. Because, I mean, I like Daniel Suarez. He's a great ambassador for Mexico. He's a hell of a driver. I don't think he's going to be enough to get us to go there. No, they sure did beat that with a like a dead horse on Sunday with uh, talking about him and the uh, you know the His Hispanics and uh, the L.A. area being there to support him and all that. I can't tell you how many times I heard that on the Fox broadcast on Sunday. I know it's like um, it's like we get it. He's Mexican. Yeah, it, it's like one of those things. Leave him wanting more than less. Like mention it because it's worthy of mention. But don't beat it like a dead horse. <laughs> right. Because like, then that's all people hear, and they'd be like, why don't, why don't you just talk about the race? That's one driver out of the, the 40 guys that are here and the 27 that are going to make the start. Like, what, what, why are we, why is it this? Like, we're here for, this is our big celebratory, well, let's party. NASCAR starts in two weeks. What was, uh, what's your overall thought on the Fox broadcast from this past weekend? I don't believe that I have anything to say, that, but I heard that a lot of people did. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of people. I think did. it's because I was kind of fading towards the end. Yeah. You know, um, I was fading fast. There's some people I, real tore up about those cartoon characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> if I was, if I, yeah, I, I didn't see Larson's, but apparently it was pretty rough. 
if I was Ty Gibbs, I'd be like, can you help me out a little bit? I know I look young, but come on. Man. I, ain't old. <laughs> I look like really rugged ass. On there. Yeah. Uh, but they had like all chiseled bodies and stuff, all flexing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, pretty wild looking. All right. So with this new uh, train station segment, I, I'm going to do one. I got one for this week. All right. You figure out a plan that works. Uh, and i know this is gonna sound like i got this from somebody but i promise you that i did not uh you can ask sure one i i can verify verify this was a saturday friday saturday thing compared to after i heard about this uh but i saw a commercial during uh the qualifying session for the chicago street tickets going on sale uh, me and the uh, wife were at the Legion at a birthday party having some drinks, and I said, hey, let's look it up. You know, Chicago, 4th of July weekend. It's not that far from home. Let's check it out and see what it's all about. Uh, general admission tickets land somewhere in the ballpark of $250 a piece for general admission. Don't really know what that entails besides I get to see some action of the race. I thought that was absolutely ridiculous, and you can take that to the fucking train station. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the thing is, and, and the reason why you can is uh, is that, that that's not NASCAR. Um, that might be F1. But that's not NASCAR. NASCAR fans don't pay two hundred fifty dollars for a ticket, not not in general. They they'll pay a hundred dollars for a ticket, but not two fifty. Not for general general admin. Two hundred fifty means you're in a suite. Uh, there's some special amenities involved. You know, some concierge service. Uh, there's something you you're paying for something extra, not just to walk around and see what maybe one, two, maybe three turns if you're lucky. If you get somewhere where there's a a goofy little kink in the in the track. I've, sp- I've spent less than that for the entire weekend. Uh, Bristol tickets. That's trucks, Xfinity, and Cup. All in one. <laughs> three separate days of racing. I've paid less than a general admission seat to a lawn somewhere in downtown Chicago. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> well, where we used to sit in. Uh... In the middle of the wall trip deal, like 50 rows up, great seats right in the middle of the turn. Uh, I think it was 160 bucks for the whole weekend. Yeah. And that's so, at Bristol. And that, <laughs> yeah. And they think about that from a miles or a number of laps perspective. That's, uh, you know, that's uh, a thousand laps. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, some bang for your buck there for sure. Uh, well, we don't have a, uh, a team or, a, uh, not a team. We don't have a driver to predict this weekend going head to head against one another. Uh, what about a Super Bowl pick? Let's hear, uh, who you got for the Super Bowl. I honestly don't care who wins, but I think the chiefs are going to win. Okay. Well, well, we're kind of going against each other then. Cause I kind of feel like Philadelphia is going to steal it. Um, maybe write a new script. <laughs> script for the NFL uh, and uh, have another team that, you know, it's only Philly's fourth time, I think making it to the Super Bowl. Uh, they got a stud quarterback. I think the, I think Philly pulls it off 37, 34. Yeah. I like Jalen hurts. I, I can absolutely be happy for him. Um, you got two Kelsey brothers in there. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, that's kind of fun. So one of them's going to win and one of them's going to lose. So I'm sure they'll have some jaw jawing at each other going on, but 
37-34, that sounds very 2022 NFL-ish. Yeah. Uh, field goal. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking uh, I'm going to I'm gonna take seven points off of both scores. I'm going to go 34-31 okay. or whatever that is. 30-27. Gotcha. Well, buddy, episode 33 in the <laughs> in the books. Uh, we'll be back here again next week to preview the Daytona 500 as well as Trucks Xfinity Cup per season. So we'll be back here again next week. Tell them where they can find us at on the old Twitter bug. At BTDO Podcast. That's it. Right on. We'll see you guys here again next week. Uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Party on, guys. See you. <laughs>